Verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, and saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would reveal to us some of the content of the scriptures that we have read this morning. May we see Christ Jesus high and lifted up, the Savior of tens of thousands, of millions. May he be the Savior of some even today. Speak to our hearts. Reveal yourself to us, we pray, in Christ's name, amen. Yeah. You may be seated. <laughs> now, the, the Jewish people, both ancient and modern, have had a problem in saying or writing Jehovah, the name of God. Some call it the ineffable name, the unutterable name, inexpressible, unspeakable name, or should not be spoken. Instead of writing it out, they often abbreviate it with four letters. Y-H-W-H, -H, calling it the tep tetragrammaton. Sometimes they say Lord when they are referring to Jehovah. I hope that you know that when in the Bible you read the word Lord and all four letters are capitalized, it is referring to Jehovah. Okay. The Jews professed a reverence for the Lord, which rendered them incapable of mentioning his name. But for most of them, their silence was baloney. It was more of an excuse than a reason. I've told you in the past that I have had just the opposite reaction, or is it a similar reaction, to the name Jesus. My problem has been more mental than spiritual, cultural than biblical, and you probably noticed, I hope that you have anyway, that I've been working on it. This is a problem I've had and I'm trying to correct this, this problem. I think there are many people who are far too flippant in their use of Jesus. Just throwing it around hither and yon without, without considering it. And that's long before they, they digress into uh, vulgarity and blasphemy. Many people just don't hold that name with the reverence it is due. So in reaction to that, in the past, I have tried to stay away from just saying or referring to, to Jesus. 90% of the time when I say the name, I add some sort of adjective. The Lord Jesus or Christ Jesus. 
But this is my personal problem because it is related to theology. It is not biblical. The name Jesus is found a thousand times in the New Testament. A thousand times. That's more than two. Out of those thousand, only a hundred of them say, the Lord Jesus. And only 250 say, Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. In other words, 750 times the Bible speaks of Jesus. Jesus did this. Someone spoke to Jesus. That sort of thing. So certainly I cannot rebuke anyone for calling his Savior by the name Jesus if it is done with respect. I say all that to tell you that I'm continuing to push back my own personal envelope today. In regard to the name Jesus, I must remind myself that it first began in the heart of God. We read a few minutes ago from Luke chapter 1, a paragraph which my Bible calls the uh, Annunciation. The name Jesus came directly from the heart and the will of Jehovah. Since Christ came down from heaven, we shouldn't be surprised that his name came down from heaven as well. It wasn't something that Mary came up with or Joseph or some family member. I guarantee that the triune God would not give the incarnate Son of God an unimportant or inappropriate name. Very appropriate. He wasn't called Jesus because there was a cousin in the family who died, and to honor him, they decided to give the cousin's name to this new baby. Furthermore, the name doesn't carry even the slightest bit of disgrace or shame. This name is the, is the highest and, and, and brightest and most noble of all names. Jesus is perhaps the most appropriate name that our Lord Jesus could have been given. Not only did the Father intimately know his Son... Jesus said, no man knoweth the Son but the Father. But in addition to this knowledge, there was the eternal decree about the purpose for his incarnation. Why he came into the world. Incarnation, of course, refers to his becoming incarnate. Taking up a human body and needing a human name. Since infinite wisdom determined the name, we can be sure that it is an excellent name. It is a perfect name. God does not do anything imperfectly. Not only is Jesus the name given to him by his Father, it is a name to which the Holy Spirit gave an explanation. This angel who spoke to Joseph, was probably Gabriel, but that's neither here nor there. But this angel is not the Holy Spirit. He spoke what God intended him to speak, as it is throughout the Word of God. And he tells us, Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
mentions that to both Mary and Joseph. Savior is the meaning of Jesus in the Greek language. But more precisely, in Hebrew, or the Hebrew equivalent, it means salvation is of the Lord. The Lord of salvation. And the angel interprets the name Jesus by saying, He shall save his people. And the he is emphatic. He shall save his people. So the name is given to our Lord because he saves. That is not a reference to a temporary or common salvation. Salvation from enemies, salvation from troubles. Jesus saves from spiritual enemies, especially from sin, and ultimately from the wrath of God for sin. Joshua was a savior of sorts. Gideon was a savior of sorts. David saved Israel from the Philistines. But this name is given to our Lord above all others because he is Savior in a sense in which no one else is or ever can be. He shall save his people from their sins. No priest has ever done that. No judge has ever done that. Only Christ can do that. Of course, the word save is so rich and full that it is hard to express in one or two simple English words. Jesus is salvation in the sense of deliverance and also preservation. The original word means to keep, to protect from danger, to secure. Where do people get the idea that Jesus saves, but then he can lose those people later on somehow? It doesn't come out of the Bible. It comes out of the corrupt theology which says we contribute to our salvation, and if we fail, that means Christ fails. It doesn't work that way. The Lord does not fail. Salvation is not a part of the process that we create or maintain in some way. Jesus provides a great salvation, or as Paul puts it in Hebrews, so great salvation. It is so great that I can't explain it all. It reaches far beyond my imagination. It is so, so great. Another term that's applied or adjective that's applied to uh, salvation is eternal. It never comes to an end. Glorious beyond description is the name Jesus because by that very name, the eternal God guarantees the success of his Savior. He doesn't try to save. He saves. He doesn't start salvation. He saves. It's all there. Jehovah declares that he shall save his people. And the fact of the matter is, he must save his people or God fails. This Jesus is described as the bearer of the sinner's sin. He is the fulfillment of the scapegoat. In the Old Testament, every year, two goats were brought to the high priest He laid his hands on one of them and 
ceremonially or symbolically laid on this goat the sins of the people of Israel. And then another priest took that goat and took him out into the wilderness somewhere and let him loose. And off he ran. In the meantime, his twin was getting his throat cut and his blood was sprinkled on the altar and his body was consumed by the sacrificial fire. Jesus is a fulfillment of the atonement sacrifices. The scapegoat, the Passover lamb, the evening sacrifice, the morning sacrifice. He was the fulfillment in the, of all of them. In fact, well, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. This is the book of Hebrews. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by Jesus' own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, the eternal Son of God, absolutely holy, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall he purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He's the perfect Savior. Yes. That's why he's named Jesus. Hold that name with reverence. Despite the divine origin of his name, it had to have been applied by his parents. Just think about this. Mary shall bring forth a son, and thou, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. This may seem like a silly point, but hang in there for just a few minutes. The God of heaven, through his angel, gave his son the name by which he was to be identified here on earth. Mary and Joseph, at the appropriate day, the appropriate hour, brought him into the temple and announced to the priests, this is our son, this is Jesus. They made it official, if it can be more official than what God did. Here's the point. God may have ordained that Jesus is the Savior. And God may have determined that Jesus saves. The Lord has done all the work in the completion of salvation, deliverance, forgiveness of sin. But it means nothing to the sinner until, like Mary and Joseph, they are willing to admit that Jesus saves, that Jesus saves me. Look at the crucifixion as an example. How many people were there that day? I don't know. It was a bunch. A lot of people were there. But how many of them thoroughly missed what was going on? They saw Christ approach this place. They heard the hammers driving the nails through his uh, hands and, and feet. They witnessed the other prisoners. They saw Joseph 
or, or the, excuse me, the, uh, the man who, who brought the cross up to the place of crucifixion. They saw all that was going on, but they had no idea what it meant. How many people knew that this was Jesus of Nazareth? Probably all of them. How many knew that this is Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners? Not very many. It's not until they're brought by the Holy Spirit to see that this is Jesus, the one who saves his people from their sins. It's not until that point arrives that they can have any hope of salvation from sin. He's the Savior. I say it reverently. The Spirit cannot reveal Christ to any man if that man is ignorant of Jesus' saving power. He who knows the man Jesus, but doesn't know him as Jesus the Savior, does not know him at all. In all his studies and all of his sermons that he's heard or that he's preached, all of the seminars that he's gone to, and all the books purportedly examining Jesus the man, are a waste until he is willing to join Mary and Joseph walking into God's holy place and saying, this is Jesus the Savior, my Savior. This infinite and eternal Son of God created the world and still upholds it by the word of his power. I cannot tell you how he did that in the first three years of his earthly life, but... Uh, he did somehow. And during those three years and more, to Mary and Joseph was given the responsibility of nurturing and protecting the incarnate Son of God as a baby, as an infant. You could say that it was their job to protect their son and even the name Jesus. Protecting the name of Jesus from the attack of Satan and sinners. So we see them going off into Egypt for part of that purpose. Couldn't it be said that like his parents, we too have the responsibility of protecting the name Jesus? It's our job to spread that name, yes. but it's our responsibility to preserve its proper meaning. We certainly must make it more prominent than our own name. We preach Jesus the Savior, the author and finisher of our faith, our salvation. Not only is Jesus the, Jesus the name which God prescribed, it must be the name that we uplift. Will it also be the name that we uplift throughout eternity? Or will that name be laid aside and the Savior be given another? We know that he will be given another. But will we never mention the name Jesus again? I don't know. I'm not told. As most of you know, my full name is Kenneth David Oldfield. There are times and places when I have to use my first name. Some businesses, 
government offices, that sort of thing. But my parents only called me Kenneth David when I had done something they didn't like. The rest of the time, I was David. You might say, that was my family name. My legal name is Kenneth David Oldfield. My family name is David. Jesus is the earthly family name of our Savior. It is the name that his father gave to him. It was the name that his earthly mother and his earthly stepfather called him. It was the name that his brothers and sisters used when they were talking about Jesus. It was the name which was uttered by those who loved him most. It should only be used by those who love him today. Unfortunately, that's not the real world. How shall we address the Savior throughout eternity? Bible doesn't specifically say. He deserves the title Lord, yes. and perhaps we will use that often in heaven. But will Lord or something equally formal be the term that we use to address him when we look him in the face? I don't know. This name has been worn by others, but I think it belongs to Christ alone. There was a Jesus before our Jesus. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, when he was addressing those that eventually took his life, said, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness in the 40 years, as the Lord appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make this tabernacle of witness according to the fashion that he had seen which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drave out before the face of the fathers. Was Stephen confused or speaking allegorically when he said Jesus brought Israel into Canaan? Paul referred to these same events in Hebrews 4. He took them a step farther. For if Jesus had given Israel rest in the promised land, then he would not be afterward have would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a future rest to the people of God. I wish I had time to fully explain what Paul was saying in Hebrews. What uh, was said by Stephen earlier. I'll just summarize. Joshua was the Hebrew equivalent of Jesus who brought the nation of Israel into the promised land. There's a sense in which he saved them, not in a salvation from sin. He could not, he did not give them eternal peace. They had no peace in the land of promise. Now, for that, they're looking for a greater rest, a better rest that Paul refers to. Joshua was a savior who could not really and permanently save. The name Jesus was not all that uncommon among the Jews. Josephus, a Jewish historian, 
shortly after the time of Christ, around the time of Christ, mentions no less than 12 people with the name Jesus. But only one of that dozen was the true Jesus, with salvation in his wings, shall we say. How common are saviors today? Well, we have the physician who cuts out the tumor or is able to prescribe some medicine and thus he saves our lives. We have the mechanic who's able to diagnose a brick problem before it becomes dangerous and he saves us from an accident on the freeway. Another person gives us some money and gets us out of a tight financial problem. Perhaps some of those people really were a kind of savior, just as Joshua was. But oh, what a difference there is between Joshua and Jesus, the Son of God, who saves his people from their sins. These have the name, but not the power. And now, Jesus Christ has been given the name elevating it above every name and above every other name bearer. For he alone, he alone is a prince and a savior, truly saves his people from their sins. Muhammad is not a savior. The Dalai Lama is not a savior. Joel Osteen is not a savior. <laughs> nor any other man. Other saviors only mock the hopes of the sinner. Some foolish person says, I am my own savior. No. You're a failure. Another says that the baptism which some priest gave to him saved his soul. No. And how ludicrous is it that some should call Mary the co executor of salvation. No. She, she applied that to her son. She trusted her son yes. for salvation. Yes. This Jesus of Nazareth, this, this King of Kings, is the one and only Savior. He and no one else can save their people from their sins. Save people from their sins. And he accomplished that with with his own death. Crucifixion. He shall do all the work and leave none of it left undone. Right. He shall begin it, carry it on, and complete it. Therefore, his name shall be called Jesus because he shall completely and perfectly save his people from their sins. That's right. The name has been, in a minor sense, applied to others in history. But now, I don't think anyone should wear the name Jesus, Jesus, or however you want to pronounce it. Mm. It's just inappropriate. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Yes, and this name of Jesus refers to Christ's primary purpose why do men write books about Christ when they know nothing about his main business and objective? Yeah. I used to hear of the Jesus Seminar. 
I think it's died away now, but for 20 years or so, there were these uh, theologians and intellectuals who gathered together for a couple of weeks every year to talk about and and uh, share with one another what they thought about Jesus the man. None of them had any idea who Jesus was. They denied his deity. They denied his, his sacrifice. They denied the salvation that was in him. How can someone preach about Christ who doesn't know Christ as Savior? That's what Spurgeon was saying in that uh, testimony earlier. Let me share with you how I came to know Christ. And now you, you need this Savior too. Franklin D. Roosevelt was a, I just about said philatelist. Let me just say, he was a stamp collector. Uh, do we know him as a stamp collector? Stamp collectors do. <coughs> But uh, no, hey, there were other things more important in Roosevelt's life. Jesus is not Christ's name because he led a sinless life, a perfect life. Christ means anointed one. And that term can be applied to David and uh, other kings. Doesn't mean the same thing, but could be applied. Jesus came into this world with his primary purpose to save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. It isn't to everybody that Jesus is the Savior. He will never be the Savior to those people he doesn't save. To those in hell, Jesus is not the Savior. Whom will he save? His people. Yes. This verse doesn't say that he shall save God's people. That might be interpreted that he will save the Jewish nation. Or perhaps it might be argued that it refers to some especially good and holy people. They're God's people. There ain't no such creature. We can be holy only through Christ. Yes. The salvation of this Savior will be given to those who are, who are quite peculiar, particular. And doesn't this verse say that they already belong to Christ? He shall save his people. That kind of statement rubs 99% of the world in the wrong way. But it shouldn't. There are two cats at my house. Those cats do not particularly enjoy being rubbed the wrong way. Their fur lays down in this direction. It's even more dangerous when we're talking about, uh, uh, oh, something like a porcupine. <laughs> Don't rub them in the wrong way. If the doctrine of God's sovereignty rubs you in the wrong way, Turn around, you're going the wrong way. Match yourself with the word of God. Those whom Jesus saves are called elsewhere his elect. They are those whom the Father has given to Christ before the foundation of the world. 
These things spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. We saw this a week or so ago. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. He became incarnate to save his sheep from disaster. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And am known of mine, as my, as my Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said of you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And he preserves them unto etern his eternal kingdom and glory. The name Jesus is uh, an election name. It bears in itself a declaration of God's choice to save his people. That, of course, raises the question, who are his people? That involves several more sermons. But let me just put it this way. How can someone know that he or she is one of Christ's people? Has the Holy Spirit ever taught you that you need to be saved? Has the Holy Spirit ever pointed out to you that you are under the wrath of the Holy God? Have you learned and understood that there is a lake, an eternal lake of fire, prepared for not only the devil and his angels, but also all sinner, unbelieving sinners? Do you want to be saved? Do you yearn to be delivered from your sins? That's not a natural thing. Right. That's a gift from God. Yes. The Lord is putting that in yeah. your heart. Has the Holy Spirit made you humble enough to admit that you are unworthy of God's salvation? That too is contrary to the grain. Yeah. Have you been willing to change for where does that come are you willing to recognize has has your sinfulness ever wanted to make you wretch are you willing to bow before this Jesus offering to him your love and your total allegiance for eternity in other words do you repent Will you put your trust in Jesus alone to save you? If you understand what I'm saying, have experienced what I've just described in the last few moments, then you could very well be one of Christ's sheep, one of Christ's people. However, if there is some sin, that you are unwilling, you refuse to give up, then 
you need to consider more the subject of repentance. Mm. But if you will repent before God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to save your unworthy soul, you might assume that Christ Jesus came into the world to save you mm. from your sin. One of these days, you are going to stand before Christ. Yes. All of us will. But I beg of you this morning, bow before Jesus now. You can do that where you are seated. Just acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of Christ. Sacrifice your sin. That's not a very good way to put it, but be willing to lay aside your sin while you reach out by faith to trust Christ Jesus. Not the godly man, the one who sacrificed his life on Calvary. Put your faith in Christ, the Savior, dying there on the cross. Salvation doesn't come as some sort of religious ceremony. It's not a part of human performance in one way or another. Humbly put your faith on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved from your sins. Yes. Bible says so. Amen. Please stand.